Heights New City Church. How are we doing this morning? Dude, I tell you what. So if you haven't figured out, next week we're going to be uh, home for Christmas, right? So uh, we're not having services in the building uh, next Sunday, the 26th. We're gonna, is that right? I keep getting the dates all mixed up. So next Sunday, next Sunday, the 26th, correct? Not having church service. We're actually going to have an online Facebook only. It's actually a pre-recorded message. I've already done it, but you can tell on the video. But um, we're going to have it at 9 o'clock a.m. on uh, Sunday morning. Enjoy with family. Uh, have a much-needed rest for those of us that serve. Uh, thank you guys very, very, very much for all you do, um, man, to make all this happen. Man, I love this is what I love to see, and this is why I think it's, it's like it's an emotional thing for me because I absolutely adore seeing people rising up in the giftings, the talents, the wirings that they have in, in that God has given them, amen? And praising God for, for these different, different things, whether it's uh, a prayer warrior that nobody ever sees or it's somebody performing like you guys did, and it's not even a performance. It's just worship, and you're really good at music and vocals, right? It's just awesome, right? It's like a... Just love to see it. So it's just something I want to help us to, to really foster in our church is I don't want to just do church the way everybody does church, if, you, if that makes sense. Like because we're supposed to or because the culture expects us to do this. or because I, I want to do church the way God said in his word to do it. And the way that we do it is an expression of our love and adoration for him and let God do what he wants, right? And so that's why I'm excited about what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months is going through... Uh, like finding out what God is blessing and joining him in that, in our different wirings and different giftings and the way we're put together is just so awesome. So um, I think I've met everybody and I introduced myself, but in case you're following us uh, a little bit later on our online, I'm Casey. I'm one of the pastors here at our Edgerton campus and I just love, love joining each and every one of you in what God has called you to do, amen, right? 2022 is upon us. This is our actual last service of the year, except for the Christmas Eve service, which is at 6 o'clock on the 24th this year, right? Is that right? Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. Everybody's like, well, it's always on the 24th. What's he talking about? So let's let's always do that. Um, But this is our last official Sunday morning, regular, uh, if you will, service for 2021. And we've had an amazing year. It's been a, a year of growth. It's been a year of challenge. It's been a year of people stepping into uh, what God has called them to do. A couple of years ago, we took a season of rest, and we had actually planned to take a season of rest because God was leading us to take a season of rest. Then we had the, the whole pandemic stuff, so we had to rest anyway, right, which is kind of cool. And then God said, this year, 2021, he told us a year ago, you're going to prepare for your people to wake up, to rise up, and to do my work. And he has done that. Our leadership team has grown from five to six people to, I think we're up to 16 now in, in different leadership ministry type things going on. Looking for a couple more for uh, doing some, like helping with some discipleship and some prayer. But God has done his thing, just like he said he would. This year, 2022, he says, you are going to reach the lost. You gotta get more excited than that. I figured somebody would be like, oh yeah, let's go, right? Yeah, like, like here's, the deal. here's the deal. We're always going to reach the lost, but God has given us a, a particular emphasis on that this year. Like you're going to go after the people. You've rested, you're prepared, now you're going to go and go get them, and you're going to bring them into the family of believers, right? The, the, the last week, what we talked about 
as we're talking about this, this, this whole idea of the greatest gift that, that we could ever receive, which is obviously salvation from the Lord, and, and this gift that God has given us is amazing. But, but what we want to do is that as new believers come into the church, what are they going to find? This is what we talked about last week. Like, what will these new believers belong to? What kind of church are we supposed to be? And we talked about the giftings and the wirings and how they're all supposed to flourish in the church, not just one particular one, because we can get kind of uh, evangelical, if you will, and think all we got to do is reach the lost, and, and, or we can be so, so theologically sound that we gather a bunch of other theologians around us and just become a think tank, guys. We got to have expressions of all those things, right? Prophetic, apostolic, uh, shepherding, we got to like take care of one another, and and as we are wired and gifting, gifted in those things, we got to learn our place and learn where God wants us and what He wants us to do. The vision that God has given us overall for all our campuses, camp, campi, camp, is that how you say? It? What's the plural of campuses? Camp, camp, campuses? I'll go with it, but it don't sound right. I keep wanting to say campi. You know what I mean? Um, the vision that God has given us is, yes, we're going to plant churches, but we're going to have a new city in every city in Kansas City, and here's why. Uh, everybody, every neighborhood needs Jesus. And what we want to do is set up spiritual epicenters on every street, on every neighborhood, and have people be able to experience God because we're in it and the, and the place knows it, right? The, the neighborhood knows it. It's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, Pastor Pete is leading the charge in what we call New City Neighborhoods, and where it's, a, it's what we call a micro-church expression, where we start setting up church, if you will, in homes and in neighborhoods, and we want to have that all over New City, or all over the city of Kansas City, a, a new city. We want to do this by knowing names. We, the sweetest sound that somebody could hear is their own name, right? We want to make disciples after we get to know somebody and actually teach people to be obedient to Jesus because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say, right? He never said you had to love him. He said, if you do, you'll obey my commands. You'll keep my commandments. We want to be an extremely generous church out of that discipleship that not just with our tithes and offerings, but with our time, talent, abilities, and giftings, and wirings that God has given us. And out of all those things, because we are a, a, a people, a group of people that know one another deeply, that are making disciples in a, in a, in a, a taking, the char- taking the charge of actually teaching people to be obedient. Yeah, we're going to baptize, absolutely, but we're going to actually teach people to be obedient. And when we do that, we become extremely generous because we see everything as God's anyway. And then as a result of those things, the community is better because we are in it and the community knows it. It's important for us to be thinking through those kind of things. And as we are doing all those things, Man, we're going to help people come to know the Lord and, and, and guide people through that, right? And we need to, as a church, make sure we are cleared. And, and this is, like, I almost didn't want to give this, like, like this message today because it's like, I, I, like, it's such a challenging message and it's such a, man, but, but here's what happened in the first service. I had one person come to me and say, I want to be baptized, I'm ready. So I had another person come to me and say, I don't think I'm saved. And so if we can help people understand what salvation is, what we are saved from, hell, we kind of know that, but, but the reality of hell is a, is a real thing. It is created for the devil and his demons. It is the natural destination for anybody that doesn't know God. Any, like This is, which makes total sense because God says, I can't have anything to do with this. This is a completely 
apart from me, right? But we're also saved to heaven, which is indescribably beautiful, absolutely wonderful. Like I can't even, like you can read the scriptures, but you can't fathom how wonderful this is. What's in, what's in heaven, right? And we can't even comprehend eternity because it's no past, present, or future. It's just an existence of just good and wonder and beauty. And, in, and we're face-to-face with Jesus. So it was one of the things I love about, about heaven is that, man, there, but you, by the way, people say there's not, like heaven and hell have nothing in common. That's not exactly true. There are two things that heaven and hell have in common. Y'all ready for this? Some people are shocked already. Like, what? No. Guess what? There is, there is no faith in, in hell. You know that, right? Faith isn't something like you, there's obviously no faith in there, but there's no faith in heaven because there's none needed. Like faith isn't something that unseen. We're seeing Jesus face to face. There's no faith needed. There's no hope in hell and there's no hope in heaven because there's no hope needed. Hope is for something better. There's nothing better in heaven. Amen? Like, we need to understand that kind of thing. This is why, why Paul said the, there are three, these three remain, faith, hope, and, and love, but the greatest of these is love because never, love never ends. All we're going to experience in heaven is love. Like, like, no sickness, no death. Like, I don't, won't wake up in the morning and go, golly, ah, i got to stretch out because I'm, I'm in my 50s now, whatever, you know. Like, there's no, none of that stuff. Anybody got a bum leg, bum back, bum, bum neck, anything like that? None of it. It's fantastic. And I can't wait. Like I, can't, I can't wait to get there and be with him face to face where I don't need faith and I don't need hope. But we got to help people understand what it takes because I think a lot of people misunderstand what salvation actually is, but the scriptures are, are very clear. What are we saved from? What are we saved to? When is the moment we're saved? How, how are we saved, right? These are all questions that I get all the time as a pastor, and you'll probably get them too as you share the good news and have a conversation with people about the Lord ongoing in the rest of your life. You'll have these questions. How do I know I'm saved? How can I, how can I help others to be saved? Well, what does it actually look like? My man Joe back here. Joe, you got to stand up, and I'm sorry you can't see this on, online. But this is so funny you walked in with this shirt on, John 1930, because that's the next verse that I'm going to be sharing with you. And it says, your shirt says, it is finished, right? John 1930. It's like, I want us to understand this is Jesus on the cross right before he, he dies, right? We also know that he rose from the dead, but he dies right, right after this. But he says something, and it's an Aramaic term. It's translated, John 19, 30, the second part of it. It is what? Finished. People hear that. And, and then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This is the price that Jesus paid. A, a lot of pastors and a lot of people teaching will get very fired up about this passage and say, you don't have to do any work. Jesus has done the work for you, right? And, and they're right. And I'm not mocking them or knocking the, 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 the teaching on that because he has done the work and we have done the work, but or, or we don't have to do the work. He's done the work, but that word is an Aramaic term and it's an accounting term. It's called, uh, it's pronounced tetelestai. Tetelestai means paid in full. Now think about the difference in that. It's not that Jesus just did the work. 
It's not that he, he, has, he, has, he has paid, like, like, like the, done all the stuff that we can't do for ourselves. That is true. But he is saying this debt that you and I have to pay is, is paid in full. This is an amazing thing. They've actually literally found invoices written across it to tell us die. It's an accounting term. There's a lot of accounting terms in Scripture. Well, you know, like we have to give an account. You're talking about reconciliation to, the, to God, all these kind of things. You'll see those things in Scripture all the time. Jesus says, invoice paid. Wow. And so we got to understand the gravity of what he's done. And he has paid the, the actual price for us. And then in Romans, Paul writes, and by the way, Jesus is the, Jesus confronted a guy named Paul. If you don't know who he is, he's a, he confronted Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul was a murderer of Christians, right? And that's why I love it when people say, oh, oh Jesus would never accept me. Um, yeah, he, he probably would. I don't know anybody that's actually gone around killing Christians. Paul did, became the most prolific writer of the New Testament because Jesus confronted him face to face and said, why are you persecuting me, right? Amen, this is awesome stuff. So he, he, he takes this time and he starts challenging the church early on to do things right the way God has called us to do. And in Romans 10, he actually outlines, actually it starts in Romans 10, 9 through 17. He actually outlines how, like the, the, the blueprint of what salvation looks like. How many of you have said to other people or have led somebody to the Lord things something like, all you got to do is bow your head and say, Jesus, I accept you into my heart. Many of us have actually had a salvation moment that way. And I'm not knocking necessarily that you're saved. I'm not challenging that you're saved. Here's the problem, though, is that that's never done in Scripture that way. Now, challenge me on that because I don't see it. I've, I've read it. I've tried to find it. Here's what Paul writes in the, in the, to the early church about salvation. Uh, verse 9, starting in chapter 10. If you confess with your, your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You got to confess with your mouth. Like, here's the deal. I, 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 I can't tell you how... Many times people have said to me, you know, I, I, I like to share the gospel and I heard this one expression, sometimes you use words. Here's the deal, always use words. Always use words. And I'm not saying you gotta cold call somebody unless the Holy Spirit says go cold call this guy you don't know and ask them, hey, do you know Jesus? If you were gonna die today, would you, you know where you'd go? Maybe you can do those kind of things. But when you're sharing the gospel period, you use words. Amen. Yeah, you absolutely develop a relationship. Absolutely help people understand. Actually serve people. Be served. Be willing to be a neighbor. Be willing to be a good citizen, a good employee, a good boss, a supervisor. Be a, be a good person. Yeah, absolutely to the rest of society. No doubt about it. But when you share the gospel, words are used every, every single time. When you become saved, words are used. Confess that Jesus is L-O-R-D, all capitals, right? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord. He is the boss. He's the one that controls everything. So when we got these compasses, compassi, to get, like it's just a reminder, like I just can't go where I want to go. I got to go where God tells me 
to go. I got to go where, the, where Jesus says you go through his Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said things like, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. He did it. We do it. Verse 10, one believes in the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. Now the scripture says everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. You've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead. And we got to understand this has got to be a matter of the heart. Over and over and over, you'll see this in Scripture. God says, these must be in your heart. And too many times we kind of put them in our, our minds and, and study and memorize, and we should study and memorize and those kind of things, but we want to fill our mind full of knowledge, and it's got to be in our, in our heart. Because here's the deal. Satan knows that Jesus rose from the dead. Satan knows the Bible is the inerrant, complete, inspired word of God. Satan knows all the different things that Jesus did to fulfill hundreds of prophecies written about him hundreds of years prior to him ever coming to the earth. Satan knows, probably watched it all happen. So it's not a matter of just acknowledging the facts. It's a matter in your heart. Do you have this incredible faith, faith of a, what's called pistuo, that I will put my weight on this. I will, put, I will trust my entire life on this. I, I, will, I will absolutely, with confidence, and if it falls, it falls. I don't care. I'm gonna stand on it, even though everybody's looking around going, hey man, that looks pretty shaky. No, no, it's not. It's actually a firm foundation. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him? If they've not believed, then how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Now, this is not a preacher on a podium like this. This is somebody who is who's a, who's a, like a, a, a calling out, like proclaiming, being a, a what, what do you call it, a herald. How can they call him who have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And you are sent. And I am sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Now, my feet, if you were to look at them, are pretty funky, man. Like, I never had a pedicure. Judy's been trying to get me to go. I'm like, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I probably will one day, though. Just to make it, just for your birthday. All right, how about that? Wow, give me a pedicure. Just to say, my feet's ugly, man. Right? They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're not, not very pretty. But they become beautiful when I share the good news, right? And it's not about how shiny they are, or the fact that they have no calluses. I don't really know what else a pedicure does. I imagine polishing the nails. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, none of that stuff even matters. We're talking about how beautiful it's like you're coming and sharing the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. But all did not obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. I want to go through to the... The whole idea of John 3.16. How many people know John 3.16 by heart? 
They lie to you, right? Yeah, and, and some of us don't. That's what's totally cool. But you've probably seen John 3.16 on a yellow poster at the end zone when somebody kicks a field goal a lot, right? John 3.16, some of us don't even know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that who will not, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We've probably had that popped into our brain and everything like that. But if we read John 3, 16 in context of the rest of John, we'll understand what we're being saved from a little bit better. We'll also understand what Jesus has has done. What Jesus did, and I hear people say this all the time. Well, so if you don't know Jesus, God's going to send you to hell? Um, Kind of, but not really. It's, it's, It's weird because God created hell and and for, his, for the devil and his demons, right? And it, like something totally separate from us. Our natural destination is hell if we don't have a savior. It's kind of like saying, um, if I'm seeing somebody going over Niagara Falls and they're gonna go over, if, if I don't rescue them, they're gonna die. And I throw them a rope and they grab hold of the rope and they pull themselves to shore and I pull them to shore and they and they get up and, and they go, why would you send me over the cliff? Doesn't make any sense. If I do mouth to mouth, I ain't gonna do mouth to mouth. If I do the Heimlich maneuver on somebody and they're choking and, and I go up to them and I, and I, I you know, you gotta do the Heimlich maneuver a certain way and that kind of thing. And that, that shrimp that they were eating pops out of their mouth, right? And I saved their life. Are they actually gonna look at me and go, why did you make me choke? No probably going to be very thankful. Our natural destiny is destruction. That's what Jesus said, and it's pretty wild. That's why I want us to understand what we're being saved from, what, the, like, what it actually looks like so we can help other people and, and really make sure we're clear on it ourselves. But this is why Jesus said that the road is narrow, the path is narrow that leads to life, and few will find it. But wide is the path for destruction, and many will find it. It's, a, it's like, man, we, we tend to, like, not intentionally, but we tend to lead people in the wrong way. We say, would you like to be saved? Well, all you got to do is pray this prayer into your heart. And sometimes I'm telling you, sometimes those prayers are awesome and they're meant, and man, they're saved and it's awesome. But I just don't see that in scripture. And here's what Jesus actually said about that whole thing, about why he, what, about his role in the salvation. John 3, we'll go, go to 13 through 18. And then just remember, John 3, 16 is right in the middle of this. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven. I included that because we talked about that last week in Ephesians. I just love the fact that scripture repeats itself, right? People accuse you, you said that same thing last week. Ah, it's a different scripture. God keeps repeating himself, right? The son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is an allusion to him being lifted on the cross. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And everybody says amen to that, right? But then we got two more verses that I think will help us to understand why he came. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that that the world might be saved through him. 
Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Here's, we need to understand that is where we are going without him. It is going to be horrible. Like, condemnation doesn't even describe. This is what Jesus said. He said, don't fear people. It's a Fear, fear, uh, that, fear God, right? Like you, you, you will have your body and soul thrown into hell. That's what Jesus, like he, he warns us against this stuff. And we have to be very careful not to erroneously give someone an expectation that they're saved simply because they said something. There's a lot of people that say something, but they don't mean it. And I want us to, to help people, and I want us to be clear on this ourselves. Like this is, it's the reality, and, and, and this is, the good news is that we don't have to go there. Amen? Like, we don't have to be the, the like, going toward that the, the destruction that's coming for us. We can grab hold of that rope that Jesus said, and then because we love him for what he has done for us, and because we love him for who he is, we do what he says. Until we get to see him again, face to face. So here's what I want us to be thinking about. I love the fact that we have a, a thriving church and that we've got a lot of things going on, that, that we've got outreach and community efforts. We want to do so many things, that we have places to study and connect, that we have you know, a genuine discipleship that teaches people to be obedient to the Lord, not just not just a small group. All the small groups are important for fellowship and things like that, but, but we take it to that next level of the way God has called in his word, and that's just the way we're gonna do it. I love the fact that, that people are enthusiastically coming back. I love the fact that, that the services are full. I love all those things, right? I love that the live stream is going on, but here's the thing I want us to be, be thinking through is that if we do all these things, People go to hell anyway. It's not worth it. And this is the this is a reality we've got to got to express is that if all this is just so that people see our church as a good church, it's not going to work. It's not what it's for. We've got to help people understand they are they can be saved from a, from a, like a horrible thing that's about to come their way. And so here's what I want us to do this week is I want to take like evaluate yourself. And I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that says you can lose your salvation. I am one of those guys that think that some people think they're saved and they're not. And we've got to make sure this right. It, do, I, do I confess that God, that Jesus is my Lord? Is he the boss? Is he telling me what to do and am I obedient? And do I really believe that he rose from the grave? Or do I say, man, I mean, Easter's kind of fun. Do, do I really, do I really believe that, that he, like, like there's no way that you can tell me he didn't he didn't rise from the dead when all these all the all the people that saw him they were willing to even die on their own it's incredible right but some people think they're saved and they really don't even believe this well it might be a might be a myth that he rose from the dead or it might be Jewish folklore or something I mean there's even some people on Facebook that are going oh it's all an Egyptian thing that makes no sense at all. Reality is he rose from the dead. Do we believe that? 
because that's part of what it takes for us to be saved, amen. And then we confess with our mouth and lean into letting Jesus be the boss. So ask yourself this week, am I saved? Are those things a reality in my life? Do I really believe? Do I have this bestowal faith that I will, I will stand on? And if it crumbles, it crumbles. I don't care because it ain't crumbling. It's a firm foundation. Do I believe that? Am I genuinely, truly saved or do I think I'm saved because I was at a summer camp and somebody led me to the Lord and I said, Jesus, would you come into my heart? You might be saved even if that happened. The reality is what the blueprint of salvation is written down in a different way. And the second thing to ask yourself, am I sharing the good news with others? Because this is great news. This is wonderful news. That we do not have to go down. We do not have to be destroyed. We do not have to be condemned. We do not have to suffer for eternity. None of those things have to happen. That doesn't have to be the reality for us. We get to be with heaven. See, I... I I, I think too many times we say, uh, you know, we don't want to go to hell. I'm just, I'm really, really, really looking forward to heaven. And I want you to look forward to heaven. Like, this is what Paul was talking about. Forget what's behind. Like, strive for the prize, which is Jesus. Man, we get to grasp him, see him face to face. But there's no faith needed and no hope needed. It's just love and a genuine peace. And all we know is good. And it's just beautiful. I can't even describe it. I read, read about heaven in scripture. I go, ah, man, this is, and then Paul's like, yeah, it's indescribably beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's so great. And I want to be there. I don't want you to be there. I want to go there together and I want to bring other people with us, right? So that they don't have to suffer the fate that's coming for all of us if we don't know the Lord. So ask yourself those things, man. Just, just do a reality check and make sure that this is the reality for, for you and for those around you, um, that you have confessed that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he is risen from the grave. Father, we love you. And as we celebrate your, your birth this week, man, that's hard to believe. It's already this time of the year. But God, you are... So wonderful to have done and to continue to do what you are doing for us. We know we're on, we don't deserve any of it. It's just your incredible love you have for us. And we're thankful for that, Lord. We just ask that you guide us in how we man, lead others in the faith. This is a big deal. And Lord, it's not anything like baptism saves us or anything like that. It's just evidence of the salvation. But, but Lord, we can even confess with our mouths that you're Lord and not believe in our hearts about you. So may the two match up if they don't. And Lord, may we confess where we need to confess and may we lean into what it means to be yours and truly understand it. Lord, I just... Open our hearts and minds, those of us that haven't heard you yet. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we trust you with our eternity. It is in Jesus' name we pray.
everybody online said, and everybody in here said, amen. Love you guys. Slumber pictures pay.